This is Golf Talk Canada, Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program. Presented by TaylorMade and the TP5 and 5X. Try it. What's the best that can happen? Learn more at TaylorMadeGolf.ca. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Zacchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. Well, good morning, Canada. Welcome inside GTC. Scully and Weeks alongside. Zacchino is somewhere in the States as he is driving down to PGA Tour Live uh, Studios for the Wyndham Championship. So I believe he was doing it, I think he was leaving right after radio on Monday morning because he actually did his segments for us on television sitting in a hotel room I believe he was in Pennsylvania. So Mark is the uh, is the traveling uh, circus, if you will. Yeah, he's been on the road a lot this summer, Bob. He uh, he likes to drive uh, to a lot of the locations, which is interesting. I uh, I don't prefer that, but he's not bad. Good for him. And um, yeah, he's uh, he has been busy this year. He's been. Uh, I'm trying to think of a stretch where he's been at home, but it, there haven't been many where he's been home for more than like two or three weeks at a time. Anyway. Well, I'm trying to think the last time I actually saw Mark in person. Like, it's been, I, I still haven't seen him in 3D since the Canadian Open, since, he, wow. since the iconic call. I haven't seen, I haven't had a chance to shake his hand or hug him or anything. So, anyway. Yeah. Uh, oh, well. so, so, Mark will be all over the coverage for uh, PGA Tour Live TSN Plus. Uh, here in uh, Canada for the Wyndham Championship, and he's working with DA Points as his analyst. I know he was looking forward to doing that, but as we always do on Wednesday, busy show as we'll preview the Wyndham Championship, the final event of the PGA Tour's regular season. We'll be joined by Nick Taylor as well. Go ahead, Bob. Uh, sorry, I was just going to interrupt you there and say that, that DA Points is known as one of the most talkative guys when people play with DA points, they either love it or they hate it because he just basically does not stop talking the entire round. So he and Mark together, that's going to be very interesting. That's a uh, <laughs> see who can get the most words in edgewise because Mark likes to chat and he's very good at it. And they both are very good at it, but it's going to be very interesting. I'm going to listen to that one for sure. Good yeah, for them. You and I both. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll be glued to TSN Plus for uh, DA Points and the Z-Man. But uh, as always, uh, on our Wednesday show, busy one, Nick Taylor going to drop by uh, in our next segment. Uh, Bobby, you up one-on-one with him, so we'll get into that in our next segment. We're giving away six dozen Tour Response golf balls in 20 weeks of TaylorMade this week. So Mike Fox from TaylorMade going to join us to talk all about the ball story here in 2023. I've also seen, Bob, I don't know about you, but on Instagram, I've seen some uh, different people using the prototype for 2024 for TaylorMade's new golf balls, showing, showing the, the white box, if you will, the unlabeled box, which is always uh, music to our ears. So looking forward to eventually seeing that. Z-Man will join uh, in hour two as he is getting closer to Florida. Our golf analyst, Kristen Murphy, also going to drop by. Going to be a busy show. Lots going on in the world of golf, but let's kick things off with some news and some headlines. News and headlines are brought to you by Sandbagger Hard Seltzer. Sandbagger, everybody knows one. Well, whenever Tiger Woods is in the news, sometimes you're holding your breath, sometimes you're excited. And for Tiger Woods, uh, this news really off the golf course here as he has joined the PGA Tour Policy Board as its sixth player director. Bob, what's the significance of this? 
So essentially, this is the board of directors that operates the PGA Tour. And until this time, the players have always had a minority. There have been five players and then six directors. Five of them are essentially non-player. They're people from businesses. Jimmy Dunn was the guy who testified before Congress. Uh, we saw him. He's one of them. And then there is one representative from the PGA of America. So they had six votes from the non, let's say the, the players versus the non-players. Now it's even. So that's the first interesting part. The second part is that Tiger, who has played on the PGA Tour for 27 years, is doing this for the very first time. And essentially, this is in response to a, a letter that a group of players, maybe about 35 players, all heavyweights, signed and sent to Jay Monahan and said, these are the changes we want to see. We need to see these changes right now. And Jay Monahan is on pretty uh, fragile territory right now, having um, sort of led this PIF PGA Tour agreement with no knowledge of the players and the players were sort of revolting. So I don't want to call this an uprising or a coup, um, but basically this is the players taking control back of the tour and the operations of the tour and um, the decision-making of the tour. And there's no bigger voice. There's no more powerful person in the game of golf to lead that charge uh, than Tiger Woods. So he's obviously very actively involved in, in, in to a, to a certain respect. Uh, I should point out that of those 35 players, Mackenzie Hughes and Corey Connors were among the signatories to that letter. Now, they're both on the wider PAC, Player Advisory Council, which has a number of players on it. But uh, this, is a, this is a very big step. And if I was Jay Monahan, I would feel a little bit nervous. And I think in some respects what you're seeing is him saying, okay, you guys tell me what to do. Uh, obviously, I've blown it before. That's why you saw that talk about the ball, the distance the ball is traveling, which we're going to talk about. And now you're seeing this where no decisions are going to be made about the framework or anything else without the player's approval. Which is, <clears throat> which is really what, the, you know, the guys were so shocked when the news came down that Tuesday morning, whether you're at a corporate event like you were or on the range at Oakdale. That's why, you know, people really didn't see the news coming. And, you know, this is a, this is a big step. And Tiger Woods uh, released a statement saying, and I'm quoting him here, I'm honored to represent the players of the PGA Tour. This is a critical point for the tour and the players will do their best to make certain that any changes that are made in tour operations are in the best interest of all tour stakeholders, including fans, sponsors, and players. The players thank Commissioner Monaghan for agreeing to address our concerns and we look forward to being at the table with him to make the right decisions for the future of the game that we all love. He has my confidence moving forward with these changes. So to your point, if you're Commissioner Jay Monahan and you've heard players like Jordan Spieth and Xander Shoffley talk about how he's really lost their trust and has to regain it, he's, he's, sort of in, he's definitely in hot water right now, isn't he? <laughs> that last line from Tiger's statement there, <laughs> Jay Monahan has my full trust. That almost sounds like, <laughs> that's, a, that's like a, uh, I don't know how to put it, but it's, you know, oh yeah, of course, of course we agree with you. I, I don't know. It it's, doesn't really ring all that true. And if I was Jay Monahan, I would be listening very carefully to what the players have to say. And I would be very carefully acting on what they want to do. And so uh, right now, I think the, what's happened should have happened is that the players have really taken back control of the tour. They're going to call the shots. They're going to decide if this agreement goes forward. Uh, they're going to decide if they adopt the, uh, the modified 
uh, roll back the golf ball, all those kind of things. So it's, it's in their hands now, and uh, the other players will, or the other directors will have to react to that. Definitely. And, uh, you know, for Tiger Woods, uh, who knows if we'll see him on the golf course actually playing. But I know whenever he does eventually speak to the media, we, we saw a statement that I just read, but he hasn't physically, we haven't seen his face speaking uh, to the media since uh, really the Masters when, when he hobbled off that 17th fairway on that very rainy and cold Saturday uh, afternoon. Some other news uh, in regards to the same subject, uh, John Rahm was on a podcast and uh, a lot of his quotes have been translated. So take that as you will. So, I mean, someone has translated these quotes. Uh, I'm going to read, uh, there's two here. I'm going to read one and then ask you about it, Bob. So here's one. Uh, two minutes before the announcement came, someone from the PGA Tour, this is about the, uh, the merger, alleged, or the framework agreement merger announcement on the Tuesday morning. Uh, two minutes before the announcement came out, someone from the PGA Tour contacted me and told me everything. I thought it was a joke. And this is what they should have done from the beginning. Instead, they have generated division that then decided to come together again. I hope they reach an agreement. I think Liv will continue. From what I understand, when I talk to their players, none of them intend to return to the PGA Tour. They left for a reason. John Rahm's not one to hide any of his opinions, and there's a lot to take away from that statement, Bob. Yeah, there is a lot to take away, and I think uh, you know he found out two minutes before the majority of the PGA Tour players found out. So good on John. I know they tried to contact a number of you know they tried to contact Rory. They tried well. Rory did get Rory was one of the few who did know. Um, they tried to contact Tiger. I don't think they reached him. They were trying to contact people like uh, Dave Mackay, who's the CEO of RBC, just to fill him in on what was going to happen. So, but you know, two minutes before. The news breaks is not great, but for John Rom, you know he's a uh, he's obviously close with the Mickelson family. Uh, the, the Tim Mickelson was his coach at university and was his agent for a little while, and I think I think that um, I think he speaks freely. I think he has a uh, I don't think he has any agenda. I mean, he was one of the few guys who came out and said, "Yeah, I don't, uh, you know, I, I don't think we should be compensated for not going to live." You know, we had a choice to stay and we chose that. So why should we be getting? make good money on on that so i think he's a pretty uh it's a pretty straightforward smart thinking kind of guy and i like i like listening to him yeah i do as well and you mentioned the mickelsons and his relationship with phil uh john rom went on to say and i'm quoting here again phil mickelson respects my decision and i respect his decision he has told me that i have no reason to go to live and he has told me that several times i laugh when people rumor me with Liv. I've never liked the format and I always have a good time with Phil and Sergio in the practice rounds of majors because you know a couple months ago that there was there were a lot of people on Twitter that sort of thing saying John Rahm's on his way out and there were some quotes that he was saying you know thanking the PGA Tour I believe that was before the U.S. Open but you know for John Rahm I love his honesty and a lot of a lot of very interesting quotes uh, coming out there. Now we mentioned this a couple times already the PGA Tour memo that was released last week by Commissioner Jay Monahan. Part of that included the uh, PGA Tour was not in favor of rolling back the golf ball. That proposed uh, offer uh, from the USGA R&A, and that was included in their memo. They are not in favor of that. What was your opinion uh, when you saw that? Uh, not a huge surprise. I think this is the first step in the players deciding what's right and telling Jay Monahan this is what we're this is what we want and this is where you should go find an answer for it. And I think uh, 
the majority of the players that I have talked to over this course of this season about the issue will take the stance that it's not necessary. You know, you're only you're not going to improve things. Uh, we don't want to have bifurcation. And, and why is the why are the uh, RNA and the USGA determining what's going to happen for not only us but for for a lot of other professional circuits? So it does sort of lead into a situation where you might have a uh, a situation of two different kind of golf balls, a bifurcation and you know, a regular ball for people not playing professional golf and us. But um, I think this is the, the players speaking out. And, and I, I would be very, very surprised if, if there's any change to equipment stuff going forward with the PGA Tour. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, that golf ball conversation, as we've had on the show before, it, uh, imagine being an equipment manufacturer having to make a specific ball only for 5% of the population, that sort of thing. It just doesn't doesn't really make uh, much sense. Well, I mentioned this uh, earlier. On the other side, Nick Taylor was with you, Bob, earlier this week doing the car wash, as we call it in the media biz, on the other side. We're going to hear that conversation you had with Nick Taylor and talk about what has happened to him in the last six weeks or so since that iconic victory at the RBC Canadian Open. And as we look ahead here, as we have a FedEx Cup playoff season, we'll discuss that and much more next. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC was presented by TaylorMade and the TP5 and 5X. Try it. What's the best that can happen? This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by JPSM Golf, offering Canada's largest selection of electric golf trolleys. Good for your score, good for your health. Visit jpsmgolf.com to find a trolley that fits your game. JPSM Golf, Canada's premier electric golf trolley specialist. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks. Well, if you saw Bob's Instagram story throughout the day on Monday, you saw him with Nick Taylor. Now, we all know Nick Taylor made history winning the RBC Canadian Open, breaking the long drought that was. And Nick had about 20, 30 interviews for sure. Uh, what was uh, what was your Monday like? Give us your perspective, Bob, on what, one hap- what happened on Monday before we hear the interview. So Golf Canada brought uh, Nick in to try and um, try and pump up his win and pump up golf and sort of give a little prestige to the victory because there wasn't really a lot of opportunity to do that because he left the next day morning very early, right, to go to the U.S. Open. So they came back and, um, as you said, he did something called the car wash, and uh, which is basically he went to a whole bunch of different media outlets right across. Uh, a lot of them were our Bell Media partners and friends. And I, um, I, I decided that uh, I wondered if I could sort of shadow him for most of the day. So I went down. He was staying at the Ritz Hotel downtown, and I met him at 7.30. And um, along with a couple of our friends from Golf Canada, we got in a car and we Drove over to uh, 299 Queen Street, which is the other Bell Studios. Uh, we, you and I, Adam, usually work out at uh, Agent Corp, but this one is down on Queen Street. People might recall it most f- formally with Much Music. That's what I always think of it as. Anyway, we uh, we went through um, and did a whole bunch of interviews. So we did uh, CP24 Breakfast. We did Your Morning. Um, we did uh, News Talk 1010. We did uh, uh, that was on that was in the studio, so it went on and on. And we we did our own interview with TSN after that, and then we went down to um, 
Rogers Center, or I call it Skydome still. And uh, he went on the field and uh, he did a few little things that they ended up showing on the on the Jumbotron later on. He was with Ace, the uh, the mascot, did a little putting course that they have for the junior days. And he tried to sink a long, long putt, which he actually ended up getting. He hit a wedge into the outfield. And uh, he was just beyond himself because he loves the Jays. He loves baseball. And so uh, he, I left him at that point because he went, well, he went, we went over, shouldn't, I should say, we went over to our friends from RBC. We met with them and uh, he was obviously talking to some of those people there. And then we went, he went on to some other uh, networks and I departed at that point. But it was a busy day for Nick Taylor, who uh, flew home the next day. And then I'm sure is on his getting ready to go on his way to, uh, to Memphis. Yeah, totally. And it's been, you know, obviously a great season for uh, Nick Taylor, highlighted obviously by the victory at Oakdale. Two other runner-up finishes, six top tens to Nick Taylor. It's been, as you talk about in this interview, perhaps, or definitely, his best season on the PGA Tour. Okay, let's hear the interview. Here's Bob with Nick Taylor from Monday. Nick Taylor, welcome to Toronto, the Big Smoke. You're doing the uh, what we call the car wash. You're going yeah. around and visiting pretty much everybody in uh, the building here at uh, Bell Media and being on a lot of shows that wouldn't normally have a golfer, yeah. which kind of says something about what you accomplished this year. Now, I know we've talked a hundred times about the putt and all that, so I'm, I'm not going to go too deep into that. We will in a bit, but what, what's, what's the life been like for you since that compared to what it was before the win? Yeah, I think I've been definitely recognized more so at golf tournaments, you know, post the Cane Open that I probably maybe normally wouldn't have. I think the U.S. Open was probably the most uh, prevalent for that, being the week after. But, you know, fans yelling 72-foot putt, uh, congratulations. I felt like oh, a lot of the caddies and players coming up and congratulating Dave and I was was probably a very memorable thing for both of us, just kind of their experiences and how excited they were for us and how they were watching. So, um, you know, at home, life hasn't really changed a whole lot, so changing plenty of diapers and <laughs> doing that. <laughs> With our newborn, but uh, yeah, no, it's it's been it's been fun to kind of soak up that part on the golf course. Okay, there's there's a personal side to what you accomplished. There's what Nick Taylor did. There's also the magnitude of what it means for Canadian golf, for all you guys that are out there right now. Uh, I mean, it's been arguably the best year ever for Canadian golf, highlighted by your victory. But are you able to kind of put that in perspective yet? I think I'm trying to. I don't think the uh, the magnitude of it is probably quite hit yet. I think probably postseason is when I can really think about it. I think golf is interesting. Where you know the next week up, you're still trying to win a golf tournament, and there's not much time to to look back. Um, with the playoffs heading up, you know I think I'll you know obviously give everything I can for there, and hopefully win a FedEx Cup and um, have something else to talk about. But uh, yeah, it'll be. I think, like I said, Canadian golf is in the best spot it's probably ever been, um, and I think it keeps getting better. So to kind of have the cherry on top this year with that win and, you know, take a monkey off the back for a lot of guys not not having to answer the questions of if Kane's going to win the Kane Open, um, you know, is, is a pretty cool thing. Okay, let's let's go through a couple things that people have asked me about, uh, about the day of, not so much about the putt itself, but yeah. what, did, what did Tommy Fleetwood say when you gave him a hug? Um, it was very loud, but I do remember him saying just the incredible golf because I actually played with him the first two days, but the last three rounds coming back from, from not a great first round, um, saying that congratulating you know tommy's very graceful and an amazing player so um to have those nice words was was uh was very nice of him what did you do between the time you finished and the time you had to start the playoff you were in the locker room yeah we went in there i facetimed with my wife briefly um i think when i was actually in scoring tommy had birdied 16 
and then we were watching he had birdied 17 so there, were, there was almost a downer feel because 18 was a very gettable hole um, after he hit his second shot into the rough is when I kind of started to go warm up thinking that you know birdie was actually more unlikely um, from that position so yeah it, it was it felt very fast I feel like even though he played probably two or three holes but um, I wanted to stay kind of as loose as possible and um, yeah, it felt like it was probably five minutes, but I'm sure it was 30 minutes. The the ebb and flow of the playoff, how hard was that to manage? And was there a point where you thought, okay, he's going to make this or I'm going to make this before you actually sank the putt? Yeah, you know, the first playoff hole where there was a few swings there, I felt like, um, you know, I have definitely had the upper hand on the green. Um, he made a great 25-footer, I feel like, from there. And, you know, I've, it was almost a match play situation where I had to expect he was going to make that. I felt like I was in a good mindset and expecting him to make that. So when I had my five or six footer to extend the playoff, you know, in the back of my mind before I hit it, I, I knew I was going to have to make it. Um, and then he had a couple opportunities and I felt like I, I got some luck there. Um, the second playoff hole, it was, you know, I didn't feel great standing there watching with, with it out of my hands. But um, yeah, to, to get to the fourth hole and kind of be in a good spot there, trying to put it as close as possible and then for it to drop was just, uh, was obviously incredible. How many times have you uh, had to tell people about the putt? Like you've been asked, we've been going through this car wash here today. Yeah. You've probably had, I don't know, 10 interviews already and everyone talks about the putt. Does that sort of put the, the fact that that may be the most famous golf shot in Canadian golf history, recent Canadian golf history? Yeah, I'm sure there's a bit of recency bias, but um, yeah, it's, it's fun to talk about. I think people's reaction to it, where they were, how they celebrated. You know, I've had players, you know, American players, you know, I was in tears watching that. Like, it's, it's I think the impact there's what's done on me that I, I probably still isn't sinking in. Um, how cool it is, I think, for people to win their national open for the drought that we'd had for so long um, is very special. Okay, so the playoffs are coming. There's five Canadians in the playoffs. Uh, new format this year, 70 and, and, uh, and low from there, and then down to 50 and 30. How do you prepare for what's going to be arguably a real tough slug here in the next little bit? Yeah, it's going to be a hot stretch being out in the southeast. Um, you know, it's a new format. There's a lot of points up for grabs. I'm trying to position myself as well as I can for East Lake. Um, so, yeah, a nice two-week break after kind of the U.K. swing. Jet lag was, was tough to get over probably for four or five days. But, um, yeah, it'll be – I think it's a lot of positioning for the final event. Anything can happen with, with the staggered setup they have now. You know, the leader starting at 10 under par all the way down to even. Um, if you're as, as high up as possible, it gives you the best chance, and that's the point of it. So um, try to have a couple of really nice events, but obviously you want to be peaking probably for to the East Lake. The, the focus on you, of course, and why you're here is because you won the RBC Canadian Open. But you've had a sensational year. This is, I would think, having covered you for, since you were an amateur, I think this is probably the best year you've ever had. Would you agree with that? And if so, is there something that's led to that? Yeah, I, I would 100% agree. I think even pre-Kane Open, it was probably one of my best years consistency-wise, you know, being in the hunt multiple times, not quite getting a win, but, um, you know, it was more of a point of focus after last season to, to clean up a few things, um, try to get my routines a little bit better, be more consistent with what I'm working on. And I felt like over the fall, there were some results, but we really fine-tuned of what I wanted to work on, what made me the best I can be. And um, I think we found a pretty good formula. Um, you know, I'm still, I think the consistency can be a little bit better in a sense where um, making more cuts, being in contention as much as possible. But I felt like when I've been in the situation to try to win a tournament this year, I've probably been as bad as best as I have been. Is there is there a, a part of your game you're really satisfied with this year that's 
changed? You know, I think everything has taken a step forward. Um, you know, with putting, since I've kind of gone to a new grip and we've made a few changes there, it's been really consistent. I think it's really helped, you know, my, my good ball striking rounds. I've been able to shoot low numbers um, and kind of hang in there when, when the ball striking hasn't quite been there. But um, that's probably been the biggest improvement stats-wise and probably how I feel with confidence as well. Is it fun right now to be Nick Taylor? <laughs> yeah, it is. You know, I'm. I've. This will be. This is my ninth year on the PJ Tour. Um, I'm grateful for that. I think for this to be in my ninth season, to kind of have the ups and downs that I've had. I guess you could say throughout my career with some wins, but also you know fighting to keep my job. Um, you know, it's pretty cool to happen at this point in my career. Good luck the rest of the season. Thank you. Awesome stuff there from Bob and Nick Taylor. Uh, on the other side, we're going to pick up that conversation about Nick Taylor, about the other Canadians who are either trying to get into the FedEx Cup playoffs or are already in and trying to make their way into the Tour Championship. Plus, Justin Thomas, he is officially a bubble boy for the FedEx Cup playoffs for the first time ever. We'll talk JT and many others playing in the Wyndham Championship next, right here on Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by JPSM Golf, offering Canada's largest selection of electric golf trolleys. Good for your score, good for your health. This is Golf Talk Canada presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. Visit weathertech.ca. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks. Mark Sacchino going to join in about an hour here as he makes his way to Florida to the PGA Tour Live studios. We will be broadcasting from there for PGA Tour Live, ESPN Plus, and here in Canada, of course, TSN Plus. Now, Bob, we just heard your conversation with Nick Taylor, and I, I love one of your final questions. Is it fun being Nick Taylor right now? And you could tell that the look, if, if you saw the, the video portion of that interview, either on SportsCenter or Golf.Canada or TSN.ca, you could just tell just how much this victory has really changed his life, haven't you? It has. It's, you know, it's, it's um, I think it's starting and it still is falling into place for him. I don't think he, when you make a putt like that, you, okay, you know you won the RBC Canadian Open and you know you've ended this 69-year drought and, and all those kind of things, but I don't think you ever realize, or I, I don't think he's sort of felt the full weight of the meaning of it um, for a while. It's like Paul Henderson scoring the goal in 1972 or Jose Batista, or sorry, Joe Carter hitting the home run. You know, those things take time to kind of sink in. I think to you, and and it might not be for a number of years before he realizes kind of what's happened to him. But he's still sort of the same Nick Taylor that I knew and I have known for, as I said in that interview, since he was an amateur and covering him there. He's got this great sort of dry wit. He's he's actually super super smart. When you talk to him about things that aren't really uh, golf related or stuff, he's still very dialed into a lot of things and. Um, but I, I, and I think he's a humble guy, so I think it's hard for him to kind of accept who he is now, what's happened now, and what people you know look at, look towards him. And he was he was talking about how um, you know people are always coming up to him and talking to him. And at the Canadian Open, or sorry, at the U.S. Open the next week on the, the Tuesday, we were 
Graham Dillette and I were waiting for him to walk from the putting green over to where our stand-up position was to do an interview. It was probably 50 yards, and it must have taken him 15 minutes because he couldn't go two feet without somebody coming up to him and stopping and talking about it. And, and even the same thing for, for Graham and I, you know, in the press room. People were congratulating us, and I said, well, I didn't do anything. You know, I just watched them. And it was kind of a, a sense, though, that this was a more than just Nick Taylor sinking the putt. That's kind of what I was trying to get to, is that this is, mm-hmm. this is a big moment for, for, for all of Canadians and Canadians who love golf. Yeah, it's something that uh, we'll never, ever forget. And I'm looking forward to, uh, at the end of our season, when we do year in review and we look back on, on where we were, where you were standing, Obviously, Mark's position, given the call, what he was doing, I was sitting in the Sports Center newsroom. You know, it's it's stuff like that where we'll never ever uh, forget Nick Taylor. And what some people don't know about him as well is that he's like a world class. Is it Mario Kart? Like he he's like yeah. one of the great video game players. But do you remember the the year this would have? Oh gosh, this this would have been five years ago, maybe Bob. We were in Carlsbad for a, a Tailor Made event, and he was playing uh, Golden Tea Golden with Tea. Michael Gligic. Uh, yeah, do you remember anything right. about that night? Yeah, I mean, he was very good at it. He was very good at, and we we talked to him about Mario Kart, and you know, he he takes a little bit of it because he put that in his PJ Tour bio, or I think somebody else may have put that on the sheet without his knowledge, and he sort of said, you know, world class Mario Kart player, and he was very very good. I've seen him play a couple times where people have done things like I think it was I can't remember who it was one of the one of the interviews he did. They pulled out the the Mario Kart and mm-hmm. had him play and, and he is pretty good at it but he sort of says I'm not you know I'm not kind of quite world class or anything but uh, but I do remember that that was that was a pretty cool moment yeah it certainly was and you know as we look ahead now to the Wyndham Championship uh, Nick Taylor not in the field this week nor is Corey Connors but there are four other Canadians it looks like five other Canadians playing here Adam Svensson Adam Hadwin Mackenzie Hughes Taylor Pendrith and Michael Gligick so five others playing uh, this week at the Wyndham Championship. But right now, we have five Canadians inside the top 45 on the FedEx Cup standings. And, you know, the, the FedEx Cup has been a thing since 2007. And, you know, from time to time, you know, Graham Dillette was really the first one to make it, you know, to finish seventh in the FedEx Cup the one year back in 2013. We've seen one, maybe two Canadians make their way to the Tour Championship. But where we are right now, you have to consider this, to this point, the greatest season ever for Canadians on the PGA Tour. Would you agree with that? Well, without a doubt. Uh, I mean, you know, let's not forget, too, that what we were just talking about before with Graham Dillette, and no, taking nothing away from what he accomplished, but there was 125 players in that field, right? <laughs> There's 70 now. We've got five inside the top 70. And, and um, you know, you can see why guys like Mackenzie Hughes and uh, Adam Hadwin are playing now because, obviously, the cut is de- – the next one after this week is to the top 50. And if you get into that, then you get into all the designated events next year. So that's a big bonus. And there's a lot of points being up for grabs in the, in the, the events this week. They're kind of, I think, it quadruples in points. So there's a, there can be a lot of movement once you get into that, that first playoff event next week. Um, but I think – Without a doubt, this is an amazing performance. And it's, you know, we've had great performances, but it's usually been one. And as I said before, I said, in most cases, there's always been two Canadians who've been good. You know, Mike Weir and Stephen Ames, Mike Weir and Ian Leggett, 
uh, Dave Barr and Dan Halderson, George Newsom and Al Balding. You know, you can go on and on, but there's never been like five. <laughs> there may have been three at certain times, but there's never been five. And this is just unbelievable. And, and just paralleling that on the women's side, you know, we've got Brooke and then we've got, you know, Elena Sharp and Maddie Zarek and there's a few others sort of down below. But this wave of amateur golfers is kind of paralleling what you see and what you saw happen, the reason we have five now is because Mike Weir kind of kicked open the door and these guys all went through. Now you're kind of seeing that same thing happening where in four or five years, I suspect we'll have the same kind of performance from the women's game. Oh, and, you know, Monet Chun is someone uh, you could you could mention in, in that conversation. And, you know, we saw that firsthand at that Golf Canada training camp day back at Weston uh, in June or May. It's or earlier, earlier this season at, at some point where you could see just the work ethic, <clears throat> the work ethic and everything that Golf Canada is putting into this. Now, we talked about this uh, briefly, but the playoffs going from 125 to now starting at 70 and only having three playoff events. Do you think this is a good thing? Do you think this is kind of weird? What's your perspective on the new playoff format? Uh, it's going to be interesting for sure. I'm not sure. You know, it's as much as what we're seeing now is going to have a big effect the next three weeks. The fall series now is for the people who are 71 and up. And so that changes things because your place is not guaranteed on the FedEx Cup pointless at the end of the season as it used to be. So there's still a lot to play for for those guys from the 71s and ups. So um, I think you kind of have to wait and see how it's going to shake out. But I do think there's a lot of interest right now in seeing the best 70 players and uh, and how that's going to boil down because who who are the 20 who are going to get lopped off this week or next week I should say um that's pretty pretty interesting to me yeah well and from a Canadian perspective we have Nick Taylor at 12th Corey Connors 29th Adam Svensson 37th Adam Hadwin 39th Mackenzie Hughes 44th Taylor Pendrith 113th Michael Glegic Michael Glegic at 207 now of the top five there Adam Hadwin doesn't have a victory this season but still in 39th position and overall Bob this has been a great season for Adam Hadwin the pair of runner-up finishes at the Zurich and of course at the Rocket Mortgage Classic when you know some of us might have had him on their TSN Edge team maybe <laughs> that week and I was a little heartbroken over that but for Adam Hadwin um, you know we've talked about this as well before in terms of he's got to be looking ahead to the International President's Cup team in you know next october at royal montreal but how motivated do you think he is where he's been in the headlines a lot since nick taylor's victory for off the golf course or just being absolutely wallpapered by that security guard and not as much on the golf course but how motivated do you think he is now to also join the winner's circle like the other four canadians have this season supremely motivated and there's two things on all five of those guys checklist for next year one is the President's Cup. Two is the Olympics. Don't forget the Olympics right. are going to be in Paris next year. Only two of those guys are going to go. And I can tell you that all five of them want to go. And, and so those are two big battles. And those are driving those two guys or those five guys and, and others, including Taylor Pendrith and Michael Gligic. And those are driving those guys 100%. That's what's for. They all want to be on both of those teams. Now, you know, you could have all five could be on the President's Cup team, possibly. I don't know if that'll happen, but I think you could. But I don't think uh, there's only two that get to the Olympics. And so when I've talked to those guys, you know, I mean, Corey Connors, you talk to him about the Olympics, it's his experience, and it's unbelievable. 
And, and you talk about um, guys wanting to play for their country or wanting to play for that international team. And you can just feel the emotion. It has nothing to do with how much money they'd make or get paid or whatever. They just want to wear that Canadian flag. And um, so I think the next, whatever it is, eight months, six months, um, when they start the new season, and, and this year is going to be absolutely a rat race between these five guys and all the Canadians who, who have a chance. And I believe the Olympics is actually this week, next year on the calendar. I believe it's about 364 days away from starting on the golf side anyway. And for the Canadians who made you know, the Olympics last time around, we are still in a lot of COVID restrictions too. So I'm sure they're certainly looking forward to playing in front of full galleries and the atmosphere that we've seen and come to love whether you're watching golf in the Olympics or really any other sport, uh, we, we invest so much in the Olympics. So that, that's going to be a really cool story uh, as we uh, move ahead. We'll discuss Brooke Henderson on the other side. But first, Justin Thomas. And this has been a, a hot topic. You know, he's, he's added uh, many different uh, dates to his calendar, whether it was the Rocket Mortgage, whether it was the 3M Open, all in hopes of just trying to make the playoffs and this is a guy who won a major championship last may and now his game has just fallen off a cliff really now it according to the mathematicians he needs a t18 or better this week to make it uh to the playoffs my question to you jt's been pretty optimistic speaking to the press does he make or does he miss uh boy I just haven't seen anything in his game of late that leads me to believe that he's going to make it. I mean, he was, you know, he missed the cut last week and he did get the, probably the worst of the weather situation when he was playing at, uh, in Minnesota, because there were some pretty tough winds that first day. But, um, some of the putts were just horrendous in terms of speed and line that, you know, horrendous by his standards and mm-hmm. they'd be pretty good by you and me. But I think that it's just so, uh, so stunning to see that, and you wonder. I know, I know he stayed in. He actually stayed in Minnesota and kept practicing on Saturday, on the greens, just working on his putting. So I don't know. I mean, he's he's got the ability to to turn it around, but um, that's that's a big ask right now for him, the way he's been playing. I just don't think he's going to make it. 158th in strokes gained putting so far this season for Justin Thomas. Made the putter switch as well last week. And he's 26th now in the official world golf ranking. 79th in the FedEx Cup standings. Needs a big week. Needs something to happen to not only make the FedEx Cup playoffs, but show U.S. Ryder Cup captain Zach Johnson that he has some some form heading in to the Ryder Cup later this year in Italy. On the other side, it was a big week for Brooke Henderson Last week at the Evian, and moving forward, it's a very busy August for Brooke Henderson. We'll discuss uh, how her event went last week at Evian and how her game is looking as we move forward. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach, home to 80 great courses, 60 miles of sandy shores, endless dining and entertainment. Visit PlayGolfMyrtleBeach.com to start planning your golf trip today. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada as we wrap up hour one of our doubleheader on this Wednesday across the TSN network. We're on from now until noon. 
right here on TSN 1050 and then 1 p.m. TSN 5, Golf Talk Canada Television. We also aired at 9.30 p.m. last night on TSN 2 for those uh, who saw that too. Now, a big part of our show on television was looking back at the Evian Championships. Celine Boutier with a great victory on home soil, but for us, we were paying, obviously, special attention to Brooke Henderson. A second-place finish, first top 10 since that season opening victory. What did you make of Brooke Henderson's performance last week at the Evian, Bob? You know, she was saying before the tournament, even the last time she was playing, how um, how she's been working hard on her game and she's seeing things trying to starting to connect. And now I think this is sort of the first indication that that's happening. Now she has, I mean, let's be honest, she'd really never had a chance to win because of Celine Boutier. Was a remarkable performance. I mean, that was to to win by that many, and never really wobbled down the stretch. One little bogey on the backside, but that was pretty impressive. But I think Brooks Brooks game really started to sort of shine and and sort of putting a, a, an end to a lot of the questions about what's going on, what's wrong. Um, that I certainly get on my Twitter feed. I'm sure you do too, Adam. But I think mm-hmm. that um, the the biggest keys to me were that she drove. She hit it in the fairway three three days out of four. She hit it in the fairway pretty well, and those are hard fairways to hit. There's always a lot of wind, and there's a lot of slope on these fairways. They're sort of against the grain of the slope, if that makes sense. So she kept it in the fairway, uh, and, and her putting was pretty good. She averaged 29 putts per round, which is, by Brooke Henderson's standards, really good. So I think, uh, I think overall it's a positive performance, and we'll see what happens when she starts uh, next week at the last women's official major, the AIG Women's Open. And she now is 14 consecutive finishes of top 25 or better at majors i mean that in itself that consistency there's so many great players on the lpga tour and for her to do to be that consistent on a week in week out basis for this amount of time for this long period of time how would you how would you characterize that well i think i think what you're seeing is uh is really the consistency she's had for her career i mean you look at Pretty much every year she's had two wins, you know, with the majority of the year she's had two wins instead of the one win. So I think that's kind of a, um, a, an element that she's always focused on. She always wants to try and win twice, so that's great. But the, the numbers are just so mind-boggling in terms of what we compare to other golfers, other Canadian golfers or other international golfers. The consistency at 25 years old, you know, I think we focus a lot maybe too much just on the wins and she does have 13 of them but if you look at the consistency and you focused on that it's it's stunning really really is now you mentioned the women's british open next week we'll have a full preview of that on our show but later in august is the cpkc women's open now you were you were there obviously when she won uh back in 2018 in regina and there obviously last year in in ottawa where essentially was a home game for her this year it's at shaughnessy what kind of reception are you expecting for Brooke at Shaughnessy? Well, you know, it's it's like all the guys when they go to the men's Canadian Open, you know, the, the RBC Canadian Open, they always talk about, well, this is a different week, a lot more attention to us. Well, imagine there's only, you know, there's there's one major focal point for the Canadian media and the Canadian fans, and that's Brooke Anderson. And it's a week like no other. So the fact she won in, in Regina to me is still absolutely stunning. Like, I just don't know how she puts gets herself through the week even to get to the tee. And, you know, she signs autographs after her rounds, like nonstop until every kid's got one. 
She sort of got that Ricky Fowler part in her. She realizes it's such a big week, but there is so much attention on her, so much pressure, which I think now she's learned to deal with. She's learned to say no. She's learned to say, okay, I can't do this, but I can do this. And she plans out her week well in advance, and she has a lot of... uh, a lot of people working on her team to kind of ensure that she gets the rest she needs and the practice and the warm-ups that she needs. So she's kind of figured it out, but it's still a week like no other, even for Brooke Henderson, who is, you know, has massive followings wherever she goes, not just Canadians, but there are always a lot of Canadians following her, but uh, wherever she goes. Well, and for the CPKC Women's Open, I, I spoke with the tournament director, Ryan Paul, which is on our television show and aired on radio on Monday. And he was saying the build-out is very similar to what was what it was like at Glen Abbey for the RBC Canadian Opens back in 2016 and 2017. So it's really continued to build out. And, and Bob, the rink, it's there again. It was uh, in Ottawa last year and it's back at Shaughnessy this year. Now, we saw what the rink turned into. Uh, during the weekend at the RBC Canadian Open at Oakdale, when perhaps there was some overserving, <laughs> maybe, maybe. But I mean, to have the rink at the CPKC Women's Open, it's certainly awesome too. That's fun. That's good, and it just shows you. Uh, you know, there hasn't been a big event in Vancouver for a long time, so I think they are hungry. And this, don't forget, this was supposed to happen a couple of years ago, but they were canceled during the COVID uh, situation. So uh, I think Vancouver is going to put on a great show and already the ticket sales I hear, judging by the build out of the corporate sales are already through the roof. So that's great. And over 1200 volunteers as well. And you can still volunteer if you'd like, you can sign up, uh, go to Golf Canada's website uh, to do that. Well, Bob, that's it for you. Thank you for your time this morning. Uh, We'll see you later this afternoon on three handicap and speed golf. And we'll also talk to you next week next monday is a holiday so we have a best of special but next week uh for television we'll talk to you then thanks bob see you soon okay we'll see you soon that is bob weeks heading to his next venture that wraps up hour one here on gtc hour two going to be a busy one Kristen murphy going to join us mark sacchino going to join us mike fox to talk all about taylor mage 2023 line of golf balls and we'll preview what's to come here on gtc for the next couple of weeks all that and more coming up right here on gtc this segment of gtc presented by taylor made was brought to you by play golf myrtle beach the golf capital of the world thank you for listening to hour one of gtc don't forget to follow us on twitter and instagram at golf talk canada for show archives podcasts and all things gtc visit golftalkcanada.com And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television weekly on the TSN Television Network. This is Hour 2 of Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. Why Picton Mahoney? Visit PictonMahoney.com. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Zacchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada, hour two, the back nine here on GTC. Adam Scully here, riding solo. Uh, for the hour here coming up a little later on z-man going to join in about half an hour in our next segment we're also going to chat with mike fox from TaylorMade, all about TaylorMade's 2023 line of golf balls because this week 
on 20 weeks of TaylorMade, we're giving away six dozen TaylorMade Tour Response golf balls. That could last you a week. That could last you a month. Hopefully, maybe a season, maybe not around, but that could last you some uh, a long time. That's uh, for sure. Now, joining us for much more on in the world of golf is our golf analyst, Kristen Murphy. Kristen, how long do you think it would take you to go through 72 golf balls? Oh, I mean, I'll be honest. I don't lose a ton of golf balls, so it would take me quite a long time. Not That's not a flex, but uh, I just am fairly down the middle, usually. <laughs> I, I think that's a flex, personally. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, you know, I, I was, it's definitely a flex. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, first of all, congratulations for for that. Uh, but no, anyway, uh, it's great to have you back on uh, back on the show. And in our last segment, we were talking all about Brooke Henderson, who had her first top ten uh, since her first start of the season when she won, and she got mm-hmm. a second place finish last week at the Evian. Uh, how impressed were you from what you saw from Brooke at the Evian Championship? I was very impressed. You know, solo second, her best finish since she won the first event of the season. And, you know, it's difficult to defend anywhere, especially at a major, but she came as close as you can come. Uh, When she fired that 29 in the third round, I definitely Mm -hmm. thought she was going to end the day closer to the lead, but she started the day four back and then ended the day four back, which really felt like a lost opportunity. Obviously, she carted a bogey and a double bogey on the back nine. So obviously those numbers hurt her on the scorecard, but also I think maybe mentally going into that final round, whereas had she finished with the 29, you know, then maybe that momentum rolls into Sunday. Um, But, you know, it's been an up and down year for Brooke, but with another major coming up and obviously the CP Casey women's open in BC, which plays kind of like a major when you're a Canadian golfer. Um, So I think the biggest takeaway from the week is that She was once again back in the hunt, and so she was able to feel the feelings, the adrenaline, the emotion of being in contention, playing in those final groups, and I think that experience is so valuable. And, yeah, she finished second. I mean, so impressive. She's been so consistent. I think her putting looked better. We know that it can be a little bit up and down, and she was also three for three scrambling out of the bunker, so those are also a couple of positives. A uh, huge positive, especially the bunker play, where that has been one of her weaknesses throughout her uh, great career on the LPGA Tour, her play out of the bunkers. Now, you mentioned the CPKC Women's Open. Now, you were, of course, on location at the RBC Canadian Open, saw the buzz when you know Canadians are moving up the leaderboard. But, you know, we haven't been in Vancouver in, in quite some time. Uh, what are your expectations now for Brooke, not only for the CPKC, but... You know, next week, too, it's yet another major on the LPGA Tour calendar at the Women's British Open. Right. So, I mean, it won't be the same as when Brooke was playing in Ottawa for that same tournament, because obviously that's kind of like a a home event for her. She's so popular wherever she plays around Canada. So, you know, with that comes some extra media attention, probably some added events on her calendar. So, there can be more distractions, but I think it's kind of a good mix because it's not in her hometown or close to, but it's still in Canada. So I think that formula could end up playing very well for her, and we might see her breakthrough for her second win this season. Now, we saw, too, at the RBC Canadian Open, the rink, which was on the 14th mm-hmm. hole at Oakdale. The rink is going to be back at Shaughnessy. Now, Shaughnessy is known as one of the great golf courses in all of Canada, 
But uh, from what you saw at the rink at Oakdale, are you expecting to see, you know, <laughs> national anthem renditions going on and on and on over the weekend? What kind of atmosphere are you expecting? Oh, I'm sure it'll be electric. And I mean, it's so fun when you have these types of setups like the rink hole that you don't see every week on the LPGA Tour. Um, you know, we see it on the men's side at the Phoenix Waste Management Open um, and at our national championship. But it, it just creates a whole different experience. And I think especially for maybe not the hardcore golf fan as well, it, it just adds a certain element that I think the average fan, kids, people that maybe aren't as dialed in to just kind of stroke play and the regular events of the season allows them to participate in a different way. And I think the golfers feed off that. And I certainly imagine Brooke will get one of the loudest ovations at the wrinkle. Yeah, totally. I, I can't wait to see that. That's uh, August 22nd to, to 27th uh, in uh, Shaughnessy in uh, Vancouver. Looking forward to that. We're in conversation with our golf reporter, Kristen Murphy. Now we talked LPGA. Now let's segue to the PGA Tour, where this week it's really wild card weekend, if you will. It's the <laughs> final yeah. event of the PGA Tour's regular season at the Wyndham Championship. Then next week, the playoffs. Playoffs, it all gets underway. <laughs> now, this is the first season where the playoff format has changed you know it's we, we've seen many different renditions of this uh since the fedex cup playoffs became a thing back in 2007 but now for the first time the playoffs are starting with 70 players 70 50 then 30 for the tour championship what's your overall thought on only 70 only 70 players making it to the postseason i think naturally it just makes it more competitive and more exciting mm -hmm. down the stretch and because of that, we're seeing, you know, some big names on the outside looking in. I know you guys were talking about Justin Thomas earlier. So he's 79th, needs a huge week. Coming in, we know he's not in good form, um, but he's definitely going to be a big name to watch. Just judging on his body language last weekend, I mean, he hit an errant tee shot, and it just, you can feel the frustration through the TV. It looked like he wanted to snap that driver. We know how much the playoffs mean to the players. Obviously, financially, there's a lot at stake. And for Justin Thomas, there's the added element of trying to impress in this last event, this last opportunity for the Ryder Cup. Um, so that's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of pressure. But I think the format makes it exciting, and that's what people want to see. Yeah, totally. And, you know, you've, you've seen a lot of Justin Thomas when you've been doing uh, writing the uh, Sports Center uh, highlight packs that air on TSN.ca, Sports Center, uh, etc. The question I asked Bob, I'll ask you the same question. Do you think Justin Thomas does enough this week at the Wyndham Championship to make the postseason? I have to agree with Bob in that there's not a lot of positives to pull from right now. Five of his last seven events missed cuts, including the Open Championship. He missed cuts in three of the four majors this season, very uncharacteristic. So it's, it's hard to just definitively say, no, I just don't think so, because you got to think at some point he's going to return to his form. But I just don't know if under that spotlight, you know, like having to do it this week is maybe going to be a little bit too much to ask for. I like what he had to say about, you know, he thinks his game is getting close. He doesn't feel like... He's playing as poorly as the numbers indicate. But, I mean, I think he also has to say that because if, if you don't say that, how do you get back on track mentally? And we know that you can come back. We saw it this year with Ricky Fowler. And those two guys are very good friends. I kind of wonder if they've had some chats behind the scenes maybe. Maybe Ricky offering some advice 
Um, you know, it's so common for guys to have slumps, but what's so unfortunate for Justin Thomas is the timing of his four season being that it's a Ryder Cup year, and we know that he can do damage in that Ryder Cup format, six, two, and one record in his two previous Ryder Cup appearances. And then he's 10, three, and two in President's Cups. So, like, he loves that type of atmosphere, that type of event. And without him there, that's a big gap, I think, for the American team. And you just know JT is such a competitive guy. We saw that in the full swing series on Netflix. We know you can feel that it means so much to him. And he's also such good friends with the other guys that are going. It would just be, I think, just really tough on him mentally to not be there. But it's really not looking good right now. Yeah, you know what? I totally agree. And I I said this last week on our show that if, if he can somehow make the playoffs... Just given that the U.S. is playing on uh, European soil at the Ryder Cup, where Justin Thomas has had success, he was one of the U.S. team's lone bright spots at Le Golf National back in 2018 at that uh, Ryder Cup in Paris. I'm really curious to see how he performs, seeing, seeing a quote from him this morning saying, I have a chance to have one of the craziest endings to a PGA Tour season and I'm going to try and do just that. I know he's going to be a focal point of the highlight packs on SportsCenter throughout uh, the week. And some, some other people who could also be focal points of the Wyndham Championship SportsCenter highlight packs are the Canadians. we got five mm-hmm. in the mix, and five Canadians are inside the top 50 on the FedEx Cup standings. Uh, how would you characterize the Canadians' performances on the PGA Tour throughout the season? It's been such a great year for Canadian golf and to have so many guys that are ranked as high as they are is just something that we've never seen before. And all of that capped off by Nick Taylor's win at the Canadian open. And there's just so many positives and it just really feels like it's not going to slow down. And you just keep waiting week to week, like who's the next Canadian that's going to do it or at least be in the mix. So it's, it's hard to overstate what kind of a season it's been for our Canadian golfers. And I think that'll only spur on future Canadian golfers that are also in the mix um, when it comes time for them to be on the PGA Tour. Yeah, totally. And, you know, looking forward to this week, looking forward to the FedEx Cup playoffs and, of course, uh, the Internet, the President's Cup next October, which uh, is in Montreal. And that uh, that's going to be a, a ton of fun. We're in conversation here with our golf reporter, Kristen Murphy. Uh, you know, we're in August now. Uh, how is your golf game right now? I had the chance to play at Coppinwood earlier this week. Oh. And, um, that was the first time for me. What a beautiful, beautiful track that is. And the clubhouse, the whole experience was fantastic. Um, I started slow, but really turned it on to the last five or six holes. And uh, didn't lose a ton of golf balls, just staying consistent with my opening <laughs> statements here. Um, but it, it's, it's pretty good. I just, I just want to be able to get out more, which I think... Every golfer would say they always want to be playing more. How about you, Adam? How's your game? Yeah, you know what? It's a bit of a, a bit of a sore subject. I'm going through oh. a grip change right now with with my with my guy Shaheen, and I was just in uh, Montremblant on a on a buddy's trip, and uh, I probably needed 72 golf balls. Now we were playing uh, the back tees for whatever reason that now one of the guys wanted to do that. There's a flex. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know what, for me, there, there's moments of brilliance. There's moments of, I'm not sure which side of the club I'm supposed to hold. But you know what, as I tell people, there's a reason uh, we don't play this game for a living. Now, you also had a chance to play in a TSN tournament last Wednesday, run by our guy, Andrew Mizkowski. Tell us about that experience. 
Um, that was awesome. That was great. It was a, a big turnout. We had 10 groups of four and, uh, again, really well-organized event and um, some tailor-made giveaways and some other prize giveaways. And I had a chance to golf with a couple of people from TSN that I don't know as well. Um, so that was that was cool. And I think that's a big part of what Miz is trying to do at the event is, you know, a little camaraderie, obviously, after COVID, we weren't able to do anything like that for so long. So, and, you know, golf is just like the perfect way to spend a day, I think. And, you know, you're doing an activity, but there's lots of downtime to chat, maybe enjoy a beverage, should you feel the urge. And, um, you know, it's just, it was fantastic. Didn't play my best, but uh, that's just the way she goes sometimes. It sure is. Now, you're, you guys are playing the, the shamble format, is that yes. correct? That's right. That's right. So everyone everyone hits a drive, and then everyone plays their own ball from the best drive. Oh. And then you play well, your yeah, own I, ball in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I love that format because it's, you know, sometimes when you're playing a, a straight-up scramble, sometimes people might feel left out. But with a shamble, everyone has to finish yeah. out their own ball and, and then play a little, a little best ball from there. Uh, I'll be sure to send uh, our guy, Miz, <laughs> this little shout-out because I, I, I know we had a conversation about him wanting one, and we got him one. So that's, uh, that is excellent <laughs> right there. Well, Murph, as always, great stuff today. Thanks for your time, and uh, I'm sure we'll have you on here Again, as we preview not only the FedEx Cup playoffs next week, but the Women's British Open. Thanks for your time. Take care, Adam. Okay, we'll talk to you soon. That's our golf reporter, Kristen Murphy, who is back at it on SportsCenter, writing some highlight packs for the Wyndham Championship this week. Justin Thomas looking to play his way in the FedEx Cup playoffs. Well, on the other side. Going to switch gears here a little bit. 20 weeks of TaylorMade. We are giving away six dozen TaylorMade Tour Response golf balls. We're going to learn all about those tour responses and the complete TaylorMade line of balls for 2023 next, right here on Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC was presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Cobble Beach, Georgian Bay's extraordinary waterfront golf resort community. Learn more about their award-winning golf course and growing community. Visit CobbleBeach.com today. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully here in studio. Well, only a couple weeks left. 20 weeks of TaylorMade. It's gone by way too quickly, yet another summer. And of course, our grand prize will be giving away in a couple of weeks. But this week, we're giving away six dozen TaylorMade Tour Response golf balls. For much more on these balls and TaylorMade's complete line for 2023, here's Bob with TaylorMade's Mike Fox. Mike, good to see you again. Uh, let's talk about uh, the ball story, and it, it is based around my response, and uh, or the response ball, I guess, to a response. Why don't you tell us uh, a little bit what we're going to see on the shelves in 2023? Yeah, 2023 is going to be another incredible year for TaylorMade golf balls, tour response, but then our new tour response Stripe product, which is the fastest-growing visual tech product out there right now. And visual technology, of which really TaylorMade has become the leader in, is taking golf balls, which all used to be white, round, and sit on the ground, and enhancing the performance characteristics of them through visual um, 
visual printings. And Tor Response Stripe is really the ultimate of that. For us, it started with PIX. Hopefully everyone's familiar with TP5 and TP5 PIX, which we developed with Ricky Fowler out in 2020. And it's turned into this crazy uh, momentum with tour players like Tommy Fleetwood winning with it on the European tour. And honestly, millions of golfers across the world using that product. But what was great about that is it had this really cool clear path alignment system where it allowed you to line up the golf balls in the middle of the 12 evenly spaced images. And when you rolled it, you could see how you were rolling it. But this year with Tour Response Stripe, we wanted to take that concept and just put it on steroids. Turn it up to 11, do whatever we could to make, honestly, an alignment system like no one had ever seen before. And that's really where Tour Response Stripe came from. It's the first 360 degree clear path alignment system that has a pattern that wraps all the way around the golf ball. So when you align this golf ball, it's like anything else we've seen today. It truly is an easier to line product. Uh, and we've done hundreds of hours of testing on this versus a single line or some other systems out there. So if you want to align a golf ball, um, this is the thing you want to use. And the feedback we've gotten from our player panels and from honestly even tour players that practice with it is it's like cheating out there. It's one of those things when you kind of get behind and you shimmy it around, it just locks in and then you know you got that right line and all you got to do now is keep it on path. What, what's the, uh, the optic story about it? Because I know that you're, there's lots of colors and things going on with it now. Tell us a little bit about that. In Tour Response Stripe, it started in 2022 with our lime colorway. And we did that because it's the easiest color to see. For us, we didn't want to just make an easy to align golf ball. We wanted to make a golf ball that was easy to see. And um, from us, what we've seen in our research over the years is yellow and bright lime colors is the only color that your eye perceives clearer than white. That's why tennis balls are yellow and lime. That's why softball is yellow and lime. That's why safety vests and uh, fire trucks and all these types of things use that yellow lime reflective colorway because it's easier to see. However, we know golfers like to personalize their game and they want to be able to easier identify their golf ball. So in 2023, we're not just creating tour response stripe, but now we're expanding the colorways into a red, into an orange, into a blue, plus our traditional lime. But then also we're launching a, a pink and a light blue colorway, which isn't designed for female golfers. It's still on our tour response construction, but maybe a little bit more feminine in design. But for overall, with the Tour Response Stripe Golf Ball, you're getting that performance from Tour Response, the cash urethane cover. You're getting that 360 degree clear path alignment system with the Tour Response Stripe. And now you're getting five colorways to allow you to more personalize your game. And it's going to be an incredible product in 23. Uh, let's talk about the personalization part in yeah. my symbol. And yeah. you can reach down and give us a, it's kind of a cool way now to really make this golf ball kind of feel like your own, I guess. Yeah. Everyone knows that personalization is a trend, not just in golf, but everywhere. If you have an option, why wouldn't you create something or play something that more associates with you as a person and your game in general? So when we looked at that challenge in golf, we've been logoing golf balls the same way for 30 years. This pad print technology with a big honking logo on the side of a golf ball is all you've ever been able to do. But when you look at other industries and develop your own sneakers or your own shirts or whatever it might be, or cars, why couldn't we take that concept and put it more into golf balls? And that's really what TP5 and 5X and soon to be Tour Response and my symbol is all about. It's personalizing and logoing your products in a way that golfers have never seen before. When we say never seen before, it's opening up a new logo position underneath the tailor-made logo to be able to put uh, a personalized uh, image. So typically when you think, as I said, logos, it's a big logo on the side. But there's nothing that stops us from changing the image that's underneath that tailor-made brand spot. So now, you're not just able to logo the side of the product if you want. You're not just able to do one number. You can do two numbers or three numbers or four numbers or alphanumeric. You can do characters, but also you can do an image if you want as well. So for you guys, obviously, and Brooke as well, we have 
our Canadian maple leaf. Colin Morikawa is using an image of his dog. We have the peach for the Masters ball, and we have hundreds of other options that golfers can choose from that more associate with your game. But also what's super cool is you can match that with the color of the TaylorMade logo, which no one's ever been able to change before. So it's really opening up this world of possibilities for you to design your own golf ball, but also you'll see in stores throughout your country or throughout Canada with this mass personalization concept. So you go in the stores and forever golf balls have been one, two, three, five. Maybe once in a while you'll see a six, seven, eight nine but now you can go in store and when you look at the racks you see okay i got my numbers but hey i got my favorite hockey players number out there and i got a canadian maple leaf section and i got an ice cream pop section and i got a four leaf clover section and i got a poker chip section and it's cool so now you can go in there and yeah i'm not building my own golf ball but i can at least pick something that really more associates with my game that's really what my symbol is all about. It's taking the incredible performance of our 5 and 5X and Tour Response products and now letting you kind of personalize the product really to what suits your game the best. That's pretty cool. That's, yeah. I kind of like that. That's nice. Uh, you mentioned Brooke Henderson. Let's yeah. talk about Brooke. Uh, tell me about Brooke's choice yeah. of golf balls and why it works for her. Brooke Henderson's been an incredible story, not just for TaylorMade, but particularly for the golf ball division, because there's some people out there that still think that TaylorMade's a metalwood company or a carbonwood company. But I can tell you, TaylorMade Golf is as much a golf ball company as we are absolutely anything. And Brooke Henderson's a great example of this, because her contract started with golf ball. And our relationship started with her hearing about and seeing the performance that other athletes were having with the success of the ball. She's like, hey, I want to try this. She tried, she's like, this thing's, legit this thing's great so she tries the ball she wins with the ball and then she's like you know what let me try those tailor-made clubs too and it's turned into this incredible relationship that we've had with her but she's been fantastic to work with because when we started she thought like okay well let me get what i'm familiar with and she started with the tp5 product because it gave her the window she was looking for um, particularly on wedges and it was one of those things as we started working with her more we said hey you know the tp5x is gonna be a, a longer golf ball for you, and you're still gonna get a lot of that greenside performance. And she's transitioned into that golf ball, now had wins with it, and really has had a ton of success. But it's one of those things where we, we've had this great relationship, and we've had this great working relationship where we test product, we give her exactly what she wants so she can win with it, but then show her some things she might not realize are even gonna benefit even further. And she's a long hitter, but to give her more distance with her drive and her irons, but still great wedge performance is something really only we can offer um, with our five layer technology. And it's been awesome watching her have success with the ball. And then, you know, being able to give the club team a little bit of love too as she's transitioned into that space too. Awesome stuff there from Weeksy and Mike Fox from TaylorMade. Again, giving away six dozen TaylorMade Tour Response golf balls on 20 weeks of TaylorMade this week. Check out our website, golftuckcanada.com. Sign up for our fantasy pool. You have a chance to win. On the other side, Z-Man going to join me here on Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Cobble Beach, Georgian Bay's extraordinary waterfront golf resort community. This is Golf Talk Canada presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Cadillac, experience Cadillac. Join one of our agents for a personalized virtual live tour of Cadillac SUVs, sedans, and EVs. Book your tour at cadillac.ca slash live.
Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully here in studio. Well, this week it's the Wyndham Championship, the final PGA Tour event of the regular season, and then the playoffs get underway. And calling the action on PGA Tour Live, ESPN Plus, and TSN Plus for us here in Canada is Mark Sacchino, who has been on the road since uh, right after our radio show on Monday. Mark, where are you right now? I have just left Savannah, Georgia. That was my last stop. stop. I broke it up, didn't push it too hard. Yesterday was a bit of a long drive. Yesterday was 11 hours in the car, but got to Savannah early enough to stretch the legs, have a nice dinner, yada, yada, yada and hit the road this morning. But it's not a long drive now. I'm literally two hours to the hotel today. Savannah's almost right at the top of uh, Florida where our ESPN studios are. So, um, yeah, looking forward to it. It's been a long year, Skulls. And Uh I think uh, we're all looking forward to a fall series that isn't crazy like previous years, with the exception of a Ryder Cup in there. And I think you and I and Bob and anybody attached to this game wondering what, you know, the next 12 months or 24 months of their life could look like. We're all in anticipation of hopefully a leaked 2024 schedule next week as well. So this is nice to put a bow on the season uh, this week. Yeah, totally. And uh, I know you'll be broadcasting with DA Points on uh, TSN Plus here in Canada. Have you interacted with DA Points at all, Mark? Yeah, I've worked with them once before. I think it was Honda. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. Uh, it was uh, myself and DA Points. It was either Honda or LA, one or the other, the, last, uh, the first time I worked with them. Good guy. And then DA and I played a better ball match oh. against Andre Gonzalez and Mark Wilson. We played a nine-hole best ball. Um, and I birdied the first hole for us to go one up. And then I watched DA points basically birdie five of the next uh, eight holes and then acted like I won the match. So, uh, <laughs> well, there's it's, it's really all about picking your partner, isn't it, Scully? <laughs> oh, my God, is it ever? You know, there's no I in win, or there's no I in team, but there's an I in win. So, there you go. It's all about, uh, you know, getting the W there, which, uh, which certainly you did. And we're going to be playing some golf together in eight days at the Toronto Hunt uh, member guest. And we'll be talking about uh, outfit selections, most importantly, of course, matching uh, from head to toe. But looking forward to that uh, next week. But heading into the Wyndham Championship, of course, the Bubble Boys. It's always a big storyline. And this year, it's especially massive because Justin Thomas is trying to play his way into the FedEx Cup playoffs, according to uh, some people around Twitter. T18 or better is what JT officially needs to make the playoffs. I asked Bob and I asked Kristen Murphy this question earlier in the show. I'll ask you too. Does he do it? Something tells me he's going to do it. I don't know why. Uh, I can't point to a logical reason uh, because the iron play is not good to score. You need to be a good iron player here at Sedgefield. The putter is, well, that's a whole story. I mean, we've we've, we've nauseated that conversation to death between him and Scotty Scheffler and the putter. Uh, But for some reason, I think he's going to will it. It's... You know, you and I broke it down on Monday, and I said to you Monday, depending on what happens in front of him, 
a top 20 has a chance to get him in. A top 15 likely gets him in, and a top 10 certainly gets him in. So if the pundits are suggesting T18, that would make sense. That would line up with our narrative on Monday. Again, though, a lot depends on what happens in front of it. It's, you know, unless you're going to top 10, it's not like you control your own destiny. You know, what if you, what if Justin Thomas is T18, but all the guys he are chasing and the guys in 65 to 70 all finish better than him? Yeah. Unlikely, you know, unlikely scenario, but mathematically he doesn't get in that. That's why I said just top 15 and just don't leave this to question. You know, don't leave it down to 10 FedEx Cup points, whether you're going to Memphis or not. So, yeah. I don't know. I'll go with the yes because he's just got too much to play for. He's got a Ryder Cup he wants to be a part of. He's got a playoff he wants to be a part of. I mean, too much on the line for a guy, you know, just over a year removed from his second major championship not to make it. Where are you at? I will ask you. And I want to know, did Murph and Bob say yes? I'm a yes. Where are you on this? Yeah, so so they both said no. So they they said no, you say yes. I, I'm also on the yes train too. And, you know, he seems to have the right mindset going in uh, to this week. Basically, uh, there were some quotes that came out earlier saying that, you know, he has a chance to have one of the craziest ends to the PGA Tour regular season ever. So he has that right mindset going in. He seemed to be relatively positive. Uh, throughout the struggles haven't really seen him break a club or show a lot of frustration so I think his mindset's in the right spot and you know Mark of course the motivation to not only make the playoffs but make that Ryder Cup team where he was very good for the U.S. the last time they were playing on away soil uh, at Le Golf Nacional and for for Zach Johnson I think he's just looking for something a glimmer anything and he'll be on that Ryder Cup team what do you think? Yeah, I think I'm not as confident on the Ryder Cup selection as you are. I think he needs to play well this week to get himself into the playoffs, and I think he needs to get to the BMW Championship. If he gets to Chicago, which is my last event of the year on the ground, if I show up in Chicago and he's in the field, then I think you're right. Then I think somehow he has either cracked the top 12 or has maneuvered you know, closer to that 12 spot where Zach Johnson, Zach Johnson's going to justify a selection for Justin Thomas. If, if he is not in Chicago, I don't think he's on the team. I think if he, if he has a decent week this week, gets to Memphis, and his season ends in Memphis, I mean, I don't know if he's moved up from that 14th position and who Zach Johnson is going to leave off that team. Like, I just don't know who it is. You know, is it Jordan Speed? Is it Morikawa? I mean, these are these are tough ass. Max Homa. I mean, I, I just I can't see I can't see that occurring. Now, if he sneaks up into the 12 spot because he gets to Chicago, and one of those names that are currently, you know, in that seven to 12 uh, location have now fallen into 13th. Or there, or he's one behind. He's 13th and they're 12. Okay, now now we have a conversation. So, but I think he needs to get to Chicago to make that happen. We'll see. You know, once he gets through it, if he can get through Wyndham and get to Chicago, now you know we're playing for what with the points double. I mean, it's not that hard 
know, if he goes and has a good FedEx St. Jude, you can move up quite easily with big points in the playoffs, but it's all on it's all on JD. Yeah, and, you know, we've seen it in the playoffs before, guys going on heaters and get, getting hot. You know, you think of Billy Horschel back in 2014 when he won the FedEx Cup. He really kind of came out of nowhere and just played really well those last three uh, playoff events. And in regards to the Ryder Cup, too, you know, this time last year, Mark, no one would have thought Ricky Fowler would have been anywhere near making that squad. You look at three of the major winners this year, Brooks Kepka for uh, his now going to live, and people didn't really know what that was going to be in terms of points and such. And then Wyndham Clark and Brian Harmon, no one saw them uh, as major champions this time uh, last year. So JT uh, certainly going to have to do some impressing uh, this week. But for you now, uh, the playoffs start next week. Top 70, this is uh, up from top 125 making the playoffs. Overall, what do you think of this playoff format starting with 70 guys? I like the smaller window for playoffs. I mean, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the NFL. Mm-hmm. That's my favorite team sport, uh, mainly, Adam, because I really love the fact that the regular season means something. And I feel like most team sports – North American team sports. I don't know enough about soccer to comment on that, but I find that most North American team sports, I mean, the regular season just doesn't mean anything anymore. You know, the NHL, you get in at the eighth spot, you can get hot, NBA, I mean, so much depends on your, you know, your your one and two guy being healthy and hot. You know, I mean, in the NFL... You've got the regular season means something. You, you can't afford to get on a bad streak and lose three in a row or lose four in a row in most divisions now. That's you know that's really gonna basically put you behind the eight ball and keep you out of the playoffs. And I like the fact that we have shrunk the amount of players that get to the regular season. That you and I are having conversations about Justin Thomas not in the playoffs, Gary Woodland not in the playoffs, uh, Billy Horschel not in the playoffs. I mean. The regular season means more now because the playoff window is smaller and the amount of players that get in. I, I, I think I think it's a bonus. I still would like a tweak to what we do at East Lake. I'm not a huge fan of the staggered uh, scoreboard. I know why we do it. I understand why they went to it to make it simplistic for the average golf fan to know who's winning on Sunday when they tune in. But I do like where we are with how you get to the playoffs. I just like a tweak on uh, on Eastlake. I, I, I've told you this on the air before. I would love to see the top 30 get to Eastlake. The top six in the playoffs, you know, they don't have to play Thursday, Friday. The top six get a bye to the weekend. Everybody else goes into a 36-hole stroke play competition to get into a match play bracket for the weekend. And Sunday afternoon, we're watching one guy versus another guy for $15 million in the FedEx Cup. I think that's what the playoffs would be, especially now with the loss of the World Golf Championship match play and no match play on the PGA Tour. Yeah. I think the Tour Championship would be epic if we could get it to that type of scenario with some buys and some interesting ways to get it down to just one or two guys uh, on Sunday afternoon. I don't know. What What do you think about the regular? Do you like the top 70? And would you like to see uh, mono and mono for 15 mil and, and everything on Sunday afternoon? 
Yeah, and you know, like you've done so many times on this show, Mark. If you were running the PGA Tour, things would be in a in a very 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 good spot. I I, I love <laughs> I love that idea really, especially. And you make a really good point about no more uh, match play in terms of the WGC Dell Technologies match play, and you know, and you know, for TV that would be really cool to see two guys going head to head for so much on the line. And in terms of going to top seventy, we saw more in the earlier renditions of the FedEx Cup how some players would skip the first event and sacrifice you know going down whatever four five ten spots in the fedex cup standings and showing up for event number two and uh, and just playing their way up the uh, the standing so i i also uh, i also like the the top 70 here now uh in terms of the top 50 we currently have five canadians nick taylor at 12 Corey connors at 29 adam Svensson at 37 adam hadwin 39 mackenzie hughes 44. My question to you is how many of those Canadians do you see making the tour championship? Oh boy. I think we have at least two, Scully. Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree. Possibly three. Like right now, I would put the over under at two and a half if I was making a line. Because I think we have a real possibility at three. I'd probably pay out more. The odds would probably be a little higher at three than they would be at two, you know, plus something versus minus something. But I put the line at two and a half. I think they're all play. I think right now so many of them are playing well. Adam Svensson's starting to come back into form as well, put some really good golf together last week. Uh, Nick Taylor's on, you know, his career high at the moment, uh, currently 12th. Uh, Adam Hadwin finding form this summer. And, you know, with, with Mackenzie Hughes and Corey Connors, you just, they're, they're so good, you just never know. And the harder it gets, the better they are. So if the setup is difficult at TPC uh, Southwind and, and in Chicago, the harder it gets, the better they're going to be. So I really like our chances. I, I think we have a, a legit shot at three. I really do. You know, there's only so many spots. So to project more than three would be unrealistic. But uh, I, I feel really good about two and possible about three. Where are you at? Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm very similar again. And, you know, Nick Taylor, obviously love his chances. Corey Connors has had a very solid year. I, I'm expecting big things here from Adam Hadwin, who hasn't yet won on the PGA Tour this season. But pair of runner-up finishes. He's come up close so many times. And you know how motivated he is to also join uh, the winner's circle. I like that line too, Mark, at two and a half. Well, let's see if our friends at FanDuel want to do something with that and Canadians to, to make the Tour Championship. I, I think that's. A, I think that might be an email after after um, we wrap up here. Now, uh, you're about an hour away, hour and a half away uh, from your hotel. Safe travels uh, the rest of the way. And I was telling, telling Bob this, we haven't actually seen each other in 3D since I believe we were on the set together at the RBC Canadian Open. It's been that long since we've physically been together. So I'm looking forward to seeing you next week. Well, that's crazy. Next week, uh, it is a stat, it's a stat holiday, I believe, on the Monday. So we'll be yep. running a best of golf talk here on the Monday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I will see you next week for TV, mm-hmm. next week for member guests. Yep. The following week, it'll be you and I in studio radio to TV for the Monday yep. after the FedEx Cup. So uh, we'll be well. You know what? Well, last three weeks will be big. I'll, I'll look forward to seeing you. And I, I, we got to get the name of that color. 
it starts with an L. It's L U something. It's the yes. the Adidas neon yellow. Oh, yeah. I'm thinking we go bold and just hit oh, it yeah. over houses on the street corners at the yeah. hunt member gas. Is what I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah, you know, hopefully the insurance is okay and we'll just send it over houses. It's fine. It's fine. It's all good. <laughs> anyway, uh, Mark, thanks so much for your time. Safe travels. Hi to the fam. And, uh, and we'll see you next week. Later, calls. Thanks, brother. That's the Z man who will be all over TSN Plus uh, for us here in Canada for the Wyndham Championship. On the other side, we'll wrap up today's show and preview what you can see on TSN 5. That's coming up at 1 p.m. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management, was brought to you by Cadillac. Cadillac. Experience Cadillac. Join one of our agents for a personalized virtual live tour of Cadillac SUVs, sedans, and EVs. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by... Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Adidas Golf and the ZG23. ZG23 continues to push limits on lightweight performance footwear with introduction of Lightstrike and Lightstrike Pro technology. They're light. They perform. They're here to compete. Visit adidas.ca slash golf. Wrapping up this morning's edition of GTC, we'll be back 1 p.m. TSN 5 as we'll look back at the Evian Championship. We'll also preview Brooke Henderson uh, coming off her first top 10 last week since her victory in her season opening start. Big stretch coming up for Brooke with the Women's British Open next week as well. The CPKC Women's Open at Shaughnessy. That is coming up later this month, August 22nd to 27th for the CPKC Women's Open. So looking forward to that. Also, my conversation with CPKC Women's Open Tournament Director Ryan Paul. That's all coming up much more 1 p.m. TSN 5. Well, it's been another fun edition of Golf Talk Canada. Thanks to Bob for joining us. Thanks to the Z-Man, Mark Skeno, Kristen Murphy, uh, Mike Fox, and of course... Nick Taylor, fun to hear Nick reminisce and reflect on his iconic victory back at the RBC Canadian Open some six, seven weeks ago. It's been another fun show. We'll be back. We have a best of edition of GTC coming Monday morning right here on TSN 1050. Then, as usual, we'll be back off talk and the television Tuesday night in prime time. Thanks for joining us this morning. And remember, the first good decision for the golf course always starts. In the closet. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Adidas Golf and the ZG23. ZG23 continues to push limits on lightweight performance footwear with introduction of Lightstrike and Lightstrike Pro technology. They're light. They perform. They're here to compete. Visit adidas.ca slash golf. Thank you for listening to GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit GolfTalkCanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television weekly on the TSN Television Network.